This week on episode 480 of Priority One, we trek out Uber Eats' newest ad campaign. And trust us, it belongs here. Jonathan Frakes gives us spoilers, Discovery's second go at a first impression, and what H. John Benjamin thinks of Tribbles. In Star Trek Gaming, Star Trek Online teams up with Game Heads, providing actionable support for people of color, and Modifius releases a helpful Star Trek Adventures dev blog tutorial. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 480 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 2nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. And nobody is in the booth this week yet. Don't forget, Captains, we are in fact still looking for a live stream technician to join us on our production. Then who's steering this thing? Think of the position much like Roz on Frasier or Robin from the Howard Stern Show. So, if you're interested, be sure to visit us over at PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on the Join the Crew link at the very top. Captains, each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on Places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us. Or email us. You can reach us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Captain's engaging with you is what makes this whole production worth it. But unfortunately, running it is not cheap making sure that we have the right tools, the right software, that our hosting provider keeps our shows live for everyone to download. These things, unfortunately, cost money. And as a result, we turn to you, our listeners, to support this show if you do, in fact, find value in it. And we already have a good number of patrons supporting the production each and every month with a monthly contribution. And for that, we are incredibly grateful. So if you are interested in learning about how you can support Priority One Podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out how you can offer your support. We even offer tiered incentives. So for instance, at $10 a month, we offer an entirely separate show called After Hours, a podcast dedicated exclusively to our patrons. But we understand if financial support isn't in the cards, all you got to do is share our show to show your support. Hit that like, retweet, and or share button when you come across one of our posts. Or perhaps you'd like to join the team. In addition to the on-air technical support, we're also looking for new volunteers to join our post-production team, specifically audio and video editors. For more information, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com or email us. That address is, once again, incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. This week, Sir Patrick Stewart and Star Wars Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, sat down with Charles Thorpe of Men's Health to discuss their new advertisement campaign for the food delivery service Uber Eats. In the three-ad series, Sir Patrick Stewart faces off against Mark Hamill in Connect Four, Air Hockey, and some, well, let's call them deep-rooted family issues. Oh, I am my daddy. Besides talking about the similarities and differences between the two franchises, the pair recalled their time on set. Sir Patrick discussed his first day of shooting, saying, quote, I was doing my first scene where I appeared on camera as Jean-Luc Picard. I was walking down one of the Enterprise corridors, and one of the sliding automatic doors opened on my left, and there was Commander Riker. 
played by Jonathan Frakes. The script had him saying something to me, and I was just supposed to nod and then walk away. The director called cut. Then Jonathan yelled out, that's what they call British face acting. The whole crew laughed, and I remember gratefully thinking that I was going to be spending a lot of time with funny people. This is going to be all right, end quote. Stewart had some interesting comments regarding his unknown inspiration for Captain Picard, telling Men's Journal in part, quote, I trained and worked out for years before I ever got in front of the camera playing Picard. My father was a military man, and he ended his military career at the end of the Second World War in 1945 as a regimental sergeant major of the Parachute Regiment. For every gentleman from outside looking in, he was a superstar. It took me decades to come to the realization of how much he influenced me, not only as a man, but also as an actor, especially when taking up Picard. Through him, I had an incredible role model for the character, even if I wasn't consciously pursuing it." End quote. Aw, that's nice. Finally, if you ever feel guilty about loving Star Wars or fantasizing about a crossover, don't! You're in good company. According to Sir Patrick, quote, I will admit that at least for us on Star Trek, we have fantasized about a combined universe between Star Wars and Trek movie. There have been a lot of ideas thrown about on putting together two iconic universes and having all of these great characters coming into contact. I would personally get such a kick out of that, end quote. The article has a ton of interesting tidbits and the ads are fun. So we encourage you to head on over to our website and trek all of it out. I have to say that I'm going with Sir Patrick's choice of meal, the chicken tikka masala with garlic naan. I would definitely steal his bag from that commercial. And I would beat him at Connect Four. I um I had no idea that Mark Hamill and Brent Spiner were old friends. Uh, in the interview, uh, Mark Hamill talks about how in the 80s, he had a friend talking about being on this new Star Trek show, and, and it ended up that friend was Brent Spiner. Did Brent Spiner ever do anything for DC? I feel like he did. Because, of course, Mark Hamill plays the Joker, right, in Batman the Animated Series, and then, you know, the cartoons and some of the, and some of the uh, video games. But now I wonder if he did anything for Batman. I'm almost sure that he did. He did play Joker. You don't have Spiner's IMDb profile on your on your home screen. Yeah, I know. I don't have it. I don't have it bookmarked. Uh, he actually played he played uh, Joker in in one of the movies. Young Justice. I'll be darned. I do have his album though. All yellow eyes. As do I. Yes. Oh wait, you don't have you don't have his uh, Dreamscapes one. No, I didn't know about that one. That's a good one. That's a good. That's a fun well, one. Well, yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> I thought it was cool to have the first one. I think it was. I think he released that in two thousand and like eight, maybe. It was. I remember it was. It was. It had just released, and I had him sign it at my very first Star Trek convention. Pin him down, cat. See if he has the vinyl. I no, I don't have the vinyl. Okay, then you're not a real fan. I will say I will say that he hurt my feelings though, because I walked up to him and I was really nervous. It was my first Star Trek convention in Secaucus, New Jersey, and I was this wide-eyed, you know, this was way before podcasting. Again, very first convention, I was already nervous, and I walk up to him with his CD, and and I go, sir, you know, I I just want to let you know that that you know your work on on Star Trek and and your performances were an, a, one of the inspirations for for me to pursue theater your work and and everybody else's work you know you could tell that you guys were stage actors and he's like yeah all right kid thanks bye I was like all right never meet your heroes never <laughs> 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 meet your heroes <laughs> oh, that's sad and then since then i don't know if he every time i see him at a convention or something I think he knows now that I'm a podcaster, right? And I'm sure he doesn't remember the first time we, you know, I uh, he signed that thing. But now he avoids me because I'm a podcaster. Like now it's just like, not nah, get the hell away, kid. Right now, now there's a legit reason for him. To now there's him. a legit reason. But if you're listening to this, Brent, or somebody tells you about this, it's okay, man. I still respect you, and I still want to be like you. Come on the show. Let's have a conversation about theater <laughs> and why, and why Lin Manuel Miranda is not the second coming of Christ. Let's talk about that. Come on. We don't have to talk about Star Trek. I know you're tired about talking about Star Trek. Let's talk about theater. Our audience will still listen to that. I know they will. Yes, they because will. Because I would. Because I would. So come on. Come on in the show. Because because you would tell them to listen to it and they would do it. Come on to the show. Because they're come obedient. On. Let's talk about theater. And a little bit of Star Trek. We'll just, you know, sprinkle a little bit here and there. But let's, let's you know, come on. 
Sir Patrick's Next Generation co-star and prolific television director Jonathan Frakes rikered a chair to talk with friends of the network TrekMovie.com. Hot off his GalaxyCon event, Frakes chatted with Anthony Pascal about the characters, events, and shooting of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, and in true Frakes fashion, probably told us more than he should have. When asked to confirm his directing of three episodes this season, Frakes gave away some plot beats saying, <clears throat> and uh, spoiler alert, can I get a, can I get the alert? Thank you. Quote, yes, I did. I actually just rewatched episode 303 a couple days ago. Season 3 is really wonderful on Discovery, by the way. So the first episode is Michael Burnham alone in Iceland for the location shoot, which is a foreign land. She meets Book, David Ajala. The second episode is the entire crew on Discovery. And the third episode, which is the one I was fortunate enough to get, is their reunion. And it's very heavy on the emo. End quote. Later in the interview, Frakes discussed Trek's newest stars. He showered praise on book actor David Ajala before moving on to the newly announced Blue Del Barrio, who plays Adira. Quote, Blue is so well cast, as the character reveals themselves, I think they'll be a new favorite, much like Tilly. Do you remember how offbeat and non-Star Trek Tilly felt in the beginning? Blue brings a different dynamic and a different color totally, but a brand new color to the palette of the group, much in the way Tig Notaro did. End quote. For a full link to the interview, which promises more to come, check out the link in our show notes. Wow. Pete probably wasn't supposed to say all that. <laughs> he never is. He just, he does not. <laughs> this guy is untouchable somehow. Somehow lawyers can't touch him. To be clear, though, to be clear, that was already given away by the fact that there was a, pri- a prior interview probably with either Goldsman or maybe Kurtzman that they said that they are jumping forward in time, they don't necessarily jump in forward in time together. So Burnham is in her suit and the Discovery is someplace else, and so... No, 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 sir. I'm the one who delivered that theory a few weeks ago. No, 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 no. Remember? No, 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 no. I said, I said... That was based off of a quote. That was... One of these producer guys said that. But I did, I did theorize that a long time ago. I'm sure you did, because they said that. No, they didn't. They never did. I theorized it before they confirmed it. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We gotta keep, like, a score sheet. That's what... Of course we do. <laughs> I'm tired of everybody... I'm tired of this, the rest of this team getting stuff in their the game, like Star Trek Online, or getting their theories proven right, and I've said things, and nobody pays attention to me. <laughs> nobody loves me. No one says this to a word I said. I haven't played I haven't played the game in six months, Hour of Hera, and I still don't have my Deltas. <laughs> Could have been working on that. In episode 476 of Priority One, released on September 4th, we told you about Star Trek Discovery's re-airing of its pilot, The Vulcan Hello. Want to know how that went? Are you sure? The Vulcan Hello, which originally aired on September 24th, 2017, was repeated for terrestrial television audiences exactly three years later, September 24th, 2020. Back in 2017, the series premiere, which aired at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, pulled in a solid 9.5 million same-day viewers, according to USA Today. Three years later, Variety reported that viewership had dropped to a disappointing 1.7 million viewers, losing out to ABC season 5 premiere of The Match Game, which had 2.9 million viewers. So what does that mean? Well, right now it only means that The Vulcan Hello had 1.7 million viewers. The three-year-old episode was, as mentioned previously, a repeat, even to network television viewers. There is no need to panic, right? I I don't know. I don't know how to translate this. I mean, this is definitely a question for someone like Larry Nemechek, uh, who's kind of in the weeds of, of the numbers game for uh, Star Trek... On CBS All Access. I mean, that's a pretty big big jump, though, from 9.5 million to 1.7 million. It's three years later, though, and it's been around a long time. It's not new. If you really are interested in Star Trek, you've gotten CBS All Access and have already watched it a couple years ago. And honestly, it, this is just stopgap stuff. I don't know that they're looking to pull in big numbers here. Um, uh, I think they're just, again, this is more of a, maybe even call, you could consider it a lost leader to just catch anybody that might not have seen it and say, hey, maybe go see the rest of it on uh, CBS All Access because we have a lot of other Trek over there now. 
So I, I, I don't think that they're expecting much out of it. But if the numbers are this bad and they continue to be this bad, it wouldn't surprise me if they stopped airing the season at some point and just said, go see the rest of it on CBS All Access while we put on an hour of, I don't know, what game show. We should No, uh, primetime Price is Right. That's what they'll do. Because the match game beat <laughs> wow. them here. So they'll just move Price is Right to, to primetime. I didn't even know that the match game was a thing. Like, this is because... I didn't Who either. even watches terrestrial TV in the first place and the number one show has 2.9 million views. remember when it was in like the 30 millions or back when whatever. everyone had to watch tv because there's nothing else to yeah. do i don't know i don't know i really don't know how to interpret it because star trek discovery hasn't aged right it's even though it's three years old it's still pretty comparable to what we see in even today's science fiction television so it's not like they were airing the pilot to the next generation right that probably would have gotten more viewers you know what you're right you're right i think that i I, I think that the success of these things depends heavily on marketing and to be honest those home run hits come few and far between from cbs uh and cbs all access so i'm not surprised that people either miss this or were not interested in it i think that this would have been i still still have conversations with people especially older people that were fans of star trek grew up on it but aren't prepared to shell out an additional six dollars for yet another streaming service or they don't want to watch it on their laptops right like so this could have been an opportunity to finally pull those people in maybe the the series premiere of discovery the season premiere of discovery maybe that wasn't the show to air maybe it should have been something like new eden maybe it should have been the premiere of the second season or the finale or something right something a little more conventional in what people have come to expect of star trek that have not ended up buying cbs all access like i said i think they will probably let it go this was a thursday night show so i don't know what their expectations are for winning thursday night unless it's uh, according to producer jake their lead-in show didn't do well either so it's just their thursday night lineup is just sort of weak anyway so it, it they it, depending on their expectations it may just run the whole whole thing while they're trying to get production going again uh so it, it's a gap filler I, I wouldn't expect them to and you'd think with covid everybody's home but they're not watching reruns they would want they want something new because they've watched all the reruns already or other streaming services well captains that leads us to our first community question this week How do you interpret the 1.7 million viewers of the Vulcan Hellos re-airing on terrestrial television? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our posts on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of Star Trek's most divisive episodes seems to be the Season 2 episode of Short Treks titled The Trouble with Edward. From the IMDb summary, newly minted Captain Lynn Lucero is excited to take command of the USS Cabot, that is, until she meets Edward Larkin, an honorary scientist who believes he has found a revolutionary new use for Tribbles. You remember Larkin, right? The guy who wanted to breed Tribbles for food, that Edward Larkin? Well, this week, Edward Larkin himself, H. John Benjamin, did absolutely nothing to ingratiate himself with the episode's detractors. Benjamin sat down with Telegram.com to discuss Bob's Burgers, Archer, and the trouble with Edward. Benjamin admitted to reporter Craig S. Saman, quote, I never thought I would make it in the Star Trek universe, but I did. I was a Star Trek fan when I was a kid. It was really cool. I was thrilled to be asked, end quote. On playing the unique character, Benjamin said, quote, It wasn't particularly hard to play that guy because he was oblivious. I'm not sure he knew how despicable he was, so that was the fun of it. From what I gathered, there are some Star Trek fans that took issue with that, the way the Tribbles were discovered. People got very deep into everything working perfectly or logically based on the Star Trek universe. Maybe that was a problem, but that's not my problem. End quote. Finally, Benjamin addressed the fact that he may have been the first person to eat a Tribble, saying, quote, That's true, but you never know if Scotty drunk ate one. End quote. To read the lengthy article, follow the link in our show notes. So much about this interview bothers me. So much. First of all, this guy doesn't... I mean, and I think he's just like this. I think it's just his nature is that he just doesn't care about anything, right? Like, it's just that kind of... 
do you get that from his archer character or from the Larkin character? Because either character could really go with that. You could, you could from, all the, from all of it, just him, <laughs> just him. And the Bob's Burgers in him, everything he says. <laughs> so, and I, I don't understand why, why is this guy so like, because of Archer? Is that why? I do love Archer. He he hit up exactly upon my problem with the trouble with Edward. I like that. I like that short tracks. I just don't like the fact that it messes with the canon. So he he's he's got my objection nailed right there. And he's decided it's not his problem. Okay, it's, it is. It's not his problem. It's the writer's problem. The writer's got it wrong. But the casting has a problem too. For that character, he was perfect. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I guess. he's the jerk. He said he he nails it right here. The, the, the guy does not know how despicable he is. But again, you, your point's well taken though, because that's exactly Archer too. He doesn't understand how despicable he is. He just he thinks he's pretty awesome. So good in Archer though, but not here. <laughs> the the actor can only do what he's been given, right? And so right, right, right. right. As far as and everybody casts him to do play and do the same thing he does before. There you go. I mean, so how do you how do you evaluate these things? Do you look at what they tried to do and then see if they hit the target, or do you say that was a dumb thing for you to try to do, but you did it? <laughs> the dumb thing you attempted to do, well, you pulled it off. It was really a bad idea, but hey, kudos for doing what you, you know, set out to do. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. This week it was announced that Cryptic Studios, the game development studio that designs Neverwinter, Champions Online, the upcoming Magic Legends, and of course, Star Trek Online, has teamed up with a local organization called Gameheads. What's important about this particular nonprofit organization is that it welcomes low-income youth and youth of color between the ages of 15 to 24 in the Bay Area into a program that trains them in video game design, development, and DevOps. Together, these young adults will work with experienced game developers at Cryptic to, quote, provide discipline-specific discussions, panels, and presentations, and mentor students in their desired fields, such as environment art, level design, or narrative design. End quote. Additionally, Cryptic has made a financial donation to Game Heads as well as the NAACP. Permission to speak freely, Captain. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Better late than never. It took them a little while to come around, but I'm glad to see that they finally did. I'm sure they had to pass through a number of bureaucratic hoops to get this to work. This is a good step forward, and we look forward to many steps to come. No, I think it's a really good direct way to mentor kids and, and show them you know, what it's like to work in the game development field. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah, Ken from Chicago in our live chat right now says Stowe did more than words, and that is absolutely 100% true. Cryptic stepped it up without just putting a blanket Black Lives Matter, black text, social media post about it. They have acted. And personally, I believe that this is a very good partnership. Whether you like it or not, there is substantial evidence that points to a systemically racial barrier that makes it incredibly difficult for low-income youth of color to move up and out of poverty. Additionally, there's evidence establishing inherent racism in technology itself. And no, I'm not saying that your toaster burns your toast because you're a dark-skinned Caribbean native. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am saying is that there are algorithms in their current state, algorithms that drive facial recognition technology, for example, that have time and again misidentified individuals of color. So to the ghost in the machine, anyone who's not white pretty much looks the same. But the thing is that ghost is programmed by an industry-led, predominantly white community. So helping students, especially young students of color, break into the tech industry is just another positive way of ensuring that the tech industry remains inclusive and equitable for both the consumer and the designer and the developers. You know, on a personal note, it's after-school programs like these, for me it was in theater, that helped me get out, that helped me move up. West New York, New Jersey is a Latino community. And I have friends who also struggled to move up and out. It's something that I personally experienced. And I found my niche in the performing arts. 
I did after school programs. I went to colleges and did summer programs. And those opportunities not only taught me what I needed to be a successful performer, but it also gave me the confidence to go and audition for whatever college, to go and audition for whatever performance I want. This kind of work with children and youth during such a crucial stage in life is very important. This is a fantastic first step. I'm proud of Cryptic Studios for taking this step. And if you're interested in learning more about the systemic racism in technology itself, one of the professors that I serve at, at Princeton University in my department, Ruha Benjamin, wrote a book, Race After Technology. Read that book. That's exactly what it talks about. And it tells these stories and these documented instances where technology has been racist. The ACLU also has an article about how facial recognition is inherently racist. So it's out there. The information is out there and be aware of it. And fortunately, Cryptic Studios is working to help make our future in technology a little more equitable in the best way they can. So again, kudos to them. In a blog posted Tuesday, September 29th, Ambassador Kale announced an upcoming event to accompany the next year of Klingon content release. The Widening Gyre event runs from October 6th through November 5th on PC. No details are provided yet about the event itself, but the grand prize is breaking new ground for Star Trek Online events. By completing 20 daily progress cycles in the Widening Gyre, captains can obtain an entire four-piece space equipment set, the Imperial Rift space set. So far, details are scant on the set pieces, but the descriptions provided in the blog point towards a science base set that's trying to synergize control abilities with energy weapons. It's too soon to give you a verdict on how we think it'll perform, but stay tuned, Captains. Once the stats are released, you can bet we'll be sharing the evaluations of the set on the show. I've got a lot of catching up to do, so I, I definitely won't know anything about this until <laughs> I finish re reconfiguring my ship. Well, unless you play science. I mean, this might not be solely for science, but me me personally, as a science player, I am very excited about this and that it's a whole set for doing an event, which is also very exciting because normally you have to play a mission like four times in a row to get the set pieces. Now you play a 20. <laughs> so just from a very top down, because again, we'll cover it more in detail next week. This is going to ultimately help make science builds a little more interesting. Tamfy. Yeah. yeah. I okay. mean, we've already been like theorizing of what other consoles you could put on your science build because if you have say improved gravity well as one of your space traits plus this rift set plus some other special things like what's that gonna do i'm really excited to find out so i hope they release the stats soon nice well captains we hope that if you haven't told your friends that Priority One is back to covering Star Trek Online news, that you will, and that you'll return next week in episode 481 for our deeper dive into this new set piece. Well, the daily grind is part of the MMO experience, right? You run the same missions over and over to gain a reward that takes days, months, or years to complete. However, if you're tired of grinding marks for another reputation system in Star Trek Online, then you will be very happy with the latest news, because you can skip the grind. Well, you can skip some of the grind. Well, you can skip some of the grind in one part of one of the things available to grind. But now available for purchase, a tier 5 reputation buyout from the Zen store. Starting at 3000 Zen, you can pass go and proceed immediately to tier 5 for a single reputation on a single character. Although, if you already made some progress in your reputation tier, the price is reduced proportionately, depending on how much progress you've made. Keep in mind, though, if you do purchase the buyout, you're only getting to tier 5. There's still a tier 6 you have to get to, which takes about 60 days running those daily missions every day to get to tier 6. But because you bought out to tier 5, you do get at least 600 marks, so you don't have to run the TFOs. So it does save you some time when you run those daily projects if you do buy it out. So... Kat, what does this mean for the player, right? And for me, for example, right? I have not logged in. I have not contributed to the game in any measurable way since the beginning of the year. And when I first saw this headline, I kind of got excited. Although, I don't know if I missed any reputation while I was gone. Are you at tier 5? 
I don't think I'm a tier five on everything. Well, there's a bunch of factors as to whether or not this would benefit you. First, how often do you play? Which reputation you might want to advance? Because you certainly don't want to spend... It's $30 per reputation. There's 13 reputation systems. I think what's really going to drive the purchase here is maybe you're looking for something specific in that reputation for that specific character. Because otherwise, you can just grind for it. I mean, that's kind of why you play an MMO. And I think most players have already done so and might not want to advance like that. So it really comes down to time versus money. If you want to save the time, you can spend the money. For the casual player, it looks like it might be a decent deal, right? 3,000 Zen, especially if you take advantage of a Zen bonus sale or something, it might be a way for someone like me, who was gone for a long time, to come back and not want to do the grind. Because, you know, funny you say that MMO can be a grind. Yeah, that's true. But for me, that's the the least enjoyable thing about an MMO. Right. For me, I want to, especially with Star Trek Online, I love the temple events specifically the featured episodes. And I don't necessarily want to log into the game to play the same mission once a day. Now, what about new players? What about experienced players? What about elite players? How, you know, what's the general rule for them? I think this would really just appeal to like players like you, not new players, because you can't really even get to the reputation system until you're level 50. So if you're brand new, you definitely don't want to do this because all the gear is Mark 12. So level 50, you can unlock Mark 12 gear. That's when you may want to consider it, but I feel like it's more for the mid-range casual player. You've been gone for a long time, but you hear that the competitive space set is the new meta, so you want that, and you're at tier three. Well, you don't even have to pay 3,000 zen. You'll pay, like, whatever it is reduced to whatever you've earned so far, and once you get to tier five, you do get... I mean, it's it, tier five is great, because you get about 600... More than 600 marks, you get a big chunk of dilithium, like it's 32,000 dilithium ore. You get the special bits that are required to build the piece of equipment that you want. Usually they require five pieces of whatever it is, say for the competitive reputation, it's the stratagems. So you can at least get one piece of equipment, maybe one and a half pieces of equipment for just for leveling up to tier five. So it can be worth it if you're, if there's something specific you want and that you're just coming back to the game and you hear about it and you want to get it, you could probably do it. Now, what about new players? What about people who are, you know, for instance, other listeners that are coming over to us from the Roddenberry Podcast Network who may never have played Star Trek Online and might be interested in doing so now. Is this something that they should consider dropping 3000 Zen to catch up with? I, yeah, older I would players? not recommend it because part of the Stowe experience is to play the game and to run the missions. So I feel like if you're running the missions anyway to earn the marks, you could just get there. It really doesn't take that long to get to tier five. It's about a month if you run the missions daily. You know, it, uh, like I said before, it takes longer to get to tier six. So for a new player, I think if you're just playing the content and running TFOs, you would easily get to tier five without having to purchase it. But if you've been online, you know, like, hey, I don't really want to do this. I'm not committing the time and I'm just going to buy it out. Then that's worth it for you. And as Selick mentions in the chat, there's much better purchases you can make for 3000 Zen in the C store, maybe that are better than spending your money on this. Uh, for new players especially, because there's a lot of ships that have traits that you're definitely going to want. Jamal asks if you're a filthy casual, is it worth it? I'm that filthy casual. I, I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be case by case for casual players. Yeah. You know, for people who come in for temple events. I prefer to spend money than time earning things that I want in the game. And I definitely don't gamble. So if I can't buy it outright with Zen or EC, then either I'm going to try to grind for it the way the system was originally designed or I'm not going to worry about it. For the lifetimers who come back and have their big pile of Zen sitting in their account that's been building up, this is a great way to burn some of it. Yeah, exactly. That's Especially true. Right, if you've right. made partial right. progress, because if you're at, you know, tier two, that's even, it might be, you know, not. It's at this stage of the game's life, probably one of the things that they're looking at uh, on a semi-regular basis is where are the stockpiles at and how can we burn them down? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it, getting people back into the game, getting them to log back in after after an absence is, is important. And then, uh, the, like the tentpole events, like you were saying, featured episodes or summer events or whatever, they come back, they've got a big stockpile 
pile, you want them to burn that down so that A, maybe they're more likely to spend some Zen in there, uh, or B, they start logging in every day as a regular thing to earn the Dilithium a little bit at a time, to earn some EC a little bit at a time, so that they become one of your metrics for, you know, users, you know, constant users. So You know, in the live stream chat, Robert Hurt says that this smells of mobile gaming pricing structures, right? Yes, a little bit, but I wonder if they're trying to find other more lucrative ways of monetizing so that they can ultimately in fact get rid of lockboxes. They they may be they may be testing the wind a little bit. That very well could be true because at least it, it, there's some rumblings that some places it might might make lockboxes illegal or more regulated. So this might be a wind testing kind of a thing, but uh, and they'll probably use whatever data they get off of it to inform that decision. But for the immediate future until something concrete happens, it's it's lockboxes all the way. Yeah, and I feel like they've been moving towards this because remember they offered the instant level 70 for Romulans uh, if you you could purchase you know an instant level 70 Romulan basically do I have to level up my character to level 70 now oh I'm sorry 65 oh sorry okay no, I'm no. <laughs> so I thought I missed something my bad I thought I've I been playing something. way too much Neverwinter these days but <laughs> No, so you can get an ins- max, whatever, max level purchase for your Romulan. That was a purchase that they did not too long ago. So, I, I mean, the fact that you could instant purchase advancement for a reputation system, I'm not surprised. So maybe they are trying to move away from lockboxes, which would be nice. Well, I think this is a good place for another community question. Captains, what do you think about the reputation system buyout? Will you be taking advantage of this new feature in order to expedite your progress through reputation systems? Or is this a hard pass for you? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our social media posts with this question. Well, Captains, the 2020 summer event has come and gone like a beautiful Rysian sunset. You know, back when the sun sat on Ryza. Anyway, uh, while we've enjoyed our fast ships and fabulous costumes, there's one event item that snuck in under the tachyon grid and into our hearts. The Rainbow Triple grants you a 2.5% critical chance in ground combat when you pet it. That in itself is pretty good, but it stacks with each active Rainbow Triple on your team. Hand one out to everyone on your away team, and you'll be looking at a 12.5% crit chance buff to every team member. Rainbow Tribbles go for 50 Lolanot favors from the event store, or 1 million EC on the exchange at the time of writing. A pittance, really, for that kind of raw power. Man, if everyone on your team has this, it's fantastic. I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to try this out, because... You know, you've been talking. You even gifted me one. Cat. I Thank know, you so very much. because they're adorable. It's my welcome back gift. <laughs> it's, Thank you. it's one of those sort of Homer Simpson bowling ball gifts because it's really a gift to her. It's like, you know, like... Well, <laughs> with, yeah. well when we run TFOs together, you can right. use it. I can run. <laughs> uh, who said I'm going to do ground TFOs? Yeah. Well, we've been doing them, um, you know, because we do TFO Thursdays on Thursdays. Yeah. These are awesome. But now you're sort of obligated to run a TFO with her because she gave you the triple. It's like you sort of have to That's now. That's true. You're sort of indebted. That's true. That's it's true. okay. It's like not the worst thing ever, right? Or yeah. is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> In other Star Trek gaming news. So you backed the Humble Bundle. You have hundreds of dollars worth of prime Star Trek role-playing material at your fingertips. Great. Now what? Well, don't worry. Odiphius has you covered. Posted on September 23rd, the first post of D220 developer Nathan Dowdell's blog series will walk you through the basic concepts of Star Trek Adventures character creation. Much of it will look familiar to anyone who's played RPGs in the past. You say proficiencies, I say disciplines. Anywho, it's definitely encouraged reading, whether this is your first time on the final frontier or you're back for more glorious battles. Hey, Tony, why don't you share with our listeners what we've been up to in terms of uh, tabletop gaming? Well, it's a grand experiment. Uh, We're not sure what's exactly going to come out of this just yet, but with the help of Priority One and Guard Frequency alum Lennon, who now runs the Heroes Rise podcast, we are embarking on a bold new adventure in tabletop RPG gaming with the Star Trek Adventures game ourselves. Now, we did record the first session, and it went pretty well. I think. 
we had a pretty good time with it. We did not record the session where we did character creation because it's kind of a mess. So Lennon did direct us to a website where the character creation sort of was handled for us because the mechanics of doing it are kind of scattered throughout the core rulebook and in, a, in several supplements. But the game itself played pretty nicely. And it was Lennon's first time running this game, and so. Uh, but he's a very quick study, and the mechanics of it were uh, were pretty easy to pick up. I mean, we, uh, Elio, this is your first time really playing a tabletop RPG, right? Yeah, like ser- like for real. Yeah. You know, yeah. One, and you, and it, the mechanics of it seemed pretty intuitive after the third or fourth time we made the rolls, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you roll a couple of dice, and you get a certain number of wins, and your ship helps you, and then you can have a partner come on and help you too. So I mean, there's uh, the mechanics. Mechanics of it are pretty easy to come up with after a, a, a certain, after a little bit of practice. Our helpful production team here put in a, a little note that the system is pretty qualitative, meaning that there's there are some numbers that run the thing, but a lot of it is based on Trechnobabble. If you can Trechnobabble your way out of a situation and you've got a good uh, game master, that's probably good enough. You're going to be able to make those rolls and do that stuff. So if you're into Star Trek, into the lore, this might be something to look into. Well, I know we had a blast. I'm so grateful that Sue and Grace from Women at Warp were willing to join us on this little joint endeavor and joint experiment. Yeah, I'm excited to share this with our patrons. That will definitely be something that we post to, and you can look forward to that by becoming a patron at the very least at the $10 level. I'll be adding it to to that tier. So once we have a solid recording and we think it's okay to share, we you, you better watch you better watch out for it, patrons. Watch this space. That's all we have to cover this week in Star Trek Gaming. Now let's look on screen for the newest episode in the Star Trek multiverse. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1 Episode 8, Veritas. On screen. All rise. Up a scary tunnel into a hall of judgment straight out of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Our first witness this episode was Beckett Mariner, who took the stand, well, horn, and began a convoluted eyewitness account of that fateful day. Stardate 57818.4. After the Lower Decks crew makes it through the amnesiac adventures of Ensign Rutherford and the redacted rumpus of Ensign Tendi, Bradford Boimler saves his crewmates from being boiled with eels. Unfortunately, by sticking up for Starfleet, he accidentally ruins a thank you party that was being held in one of the nicest silos on Ketuvian Prime. It was a nice silo. Once they brought the lights up. It was, it was nice. A silo. I, I mean, mean, it's kind of homey. Know. had bright colors inside there. It's kind of a pastel yeah, theme. Know. Crystals, you know. Yeah. yeah. Gavels. gavels. The, <laughs> finest, the finest gavels, really. Kind of skull gavels. Finest skull gavels in the land. <laughs> All right. Before we jump into our review, let's get some statistics out of the way. Veritas was directed by Kim Arndt and written by Garrick Bernard. It aired originally on September 24th, 2020. All right, let's jump into this episode. Kat, why don't you tell us what your favorite scene, moment, or dialogue was? Oh, you're so going to hate this. This might be my favorite episode because I just didn't hate really anything about it just because there's so much so funny it was all really good i mean alien trial 101 you have to come up through the tube and the thing and kurtwood smith i mean ah uh, that was so great and mariner talk about rogue danar and khan's thick thick chest oh, oh pause for a second i want to talk about khan and that thick thick chest but i gotta pee <laughs> i mean classic it was- Dying. It was so funny. You know, you know, Elio's gonna be uh, real mad at you for joining the Tony Hunter school of reviewing lower decks. I mean, I he's gonna know, be mad. But he's, you can see his dissatisfied episode, face right now. I know, I know, he hated it, but I loved face. it. Tendy, the cleaner. <laughs> I mean, Tendy just goes crazy. Rutherford and his, you know, waking up in every different situation. That God, that might have been great. my favorite bit with him rebooting, like every and having missed everything. I mean, like, yeah. I, yeah, Mariner was killing me with her reference. There's so many. I mean, but Kurtwood Smith was great. Don't bother asking me, Elio, because I'm just going to give the same answer Cat did. Go ahead, just no. spi- go no. ahead, spin off of what, <laughs> no. work off of what Cat was saying, and 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 go ahead. There was contribute to the conversation. There was not a weak. It's moment. all the same question. It's all the same questions that I ask right. you guys each and every week. So as long as you can articulate 
why these are there wasn't a weak moment there wasn't a weak moment in this episode there was no there wasn't there was not a moment no it was exciting and the twist was hilarious I mean Q there was (laughs) forgot about Q there was there was not a moment where I was taken out of the episode like it didn't it never derailed you might not have liked the direction it went and I get that but there was never a moment where First I was. First of all, taking I out. haven't even said anything. Oh, yet, but you're. And you guys are already. This is. Assuming. We can just. This tell is a radio show. <laughs> it's true. It's it's a radio. So let me paint a word picture for the audience here. The teacher face. The teacher face was on. Okay. The teacher face has been on. All right. So yeah, Tony, yeah. what was your favorite scene? What was your favorite of, moment? They were I mean, all I get my it. Favorite. The whole thing. I get it. it I get it. But favorite. there had to have been one. There had to have been one moment that made you go. <laughs> you know, there at least a good hearty chuckle. I don't know. I didn't keep track. So like I said, my favorites are probably. The rebooting That's thing. because you're not doing your homework. The, the, re, the favorite, I think my favorite bit was the rebooting thing with Rutherford, right? This is one of those things where the episode is strengthened by the things they don't show you. Like, what the hell happened between the part where he shut off and the part where he came back up? Like, you know things happened, right? But you don't know what they were, but they were probably awesome. But but you don't mind missing it because the parts they are showing you are funny. So it's it's it, it they're even taking advantage of the of the fact that again it's a twenty two minute format. They can't show it all to you, but they made that part of the bit. They made it part of the gag. And you know what, Tony? What? I agree with you. You do. I think that that was an excellent use of a plot device, right? Something yeah. that is already baked into the character. This artificial thing and they used it and I thought that they did a really good job using it I thought it was inventive for the first time I walked away going okay that was creative that felt creative wow wow mark this down mark it down everybody mark it down mark it down the one thing you liked about it the one thing no all right so (laughs) my this particular episode especially right when like you mentioned Kat when they're they're battling about uh, Roga Denar and and Khan Roga Dana, are you nuts? I said, who's the all-time biggest badass? Not who's a dude nobody's heard about. Uh, everyone knows Roga Dana. No, they don't. She totally outsmarted Picard. And he has amazing hair. Well, what about Khan, right? Khan was a genetically engineered supervillain. Dude was a space seed. Roga Danar. Get the f*** out of my face. This episode especially made me feel as if though I was watching us having snuck on to a... Starfleet vessel. Yeah. Like it, it, and that did, that felt weird for me. That felt weird. And I don't know that I like that because, <laughs> yeah, sure, I wish I could be on a Starfleet vessel, but these feel like imposters, right? Like it's us who have snuck on to, to into Starfleet, right? It, they're so, it is so canon heavy. It is so Easter egg heavy that I wonder, and I was talking about this with my friend, my friend Devin, uh, who I think you met at Vegas that one year. Oh, I know Devin. Yeah, I remember Yeah. You know, I was telling him about the show and I was like, oh, have you watched Lower Decks yet? He's like, no, no, I haven't. I was like, yeah, give it a shot and let me know what you think because Devin likes Star Trek. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he's a chef and I keep trying to pull him into doing... Star Trek themed plates. We we talked right? about that with work him on one. back then. Yeah, he's he's actually he's gonna start it. He's gonna start an Instagram account. I'm telling him. Do it, man. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's like it's gonna be great. But he's he's not he's not that well versed in this kind of lore. So I don't. I wonder if he'll enjoy it. Right? He's a blurred, and he loves science fiction. He loves DC Comics. He loves Marvel. He loves all of it. We go to New York Comic Con. Whenever there's a Comic Con in the area, he and I go together. And I trust. His opinion. His nerd guts. Yeah, and so I'm kind of curious to, to, to see what his reaction is going to be to Lower Decks when he finally watches it. I bet he likes it. Because he's also a Star Trek fan. He's not deep in the lore, so I don't know that he'll get those jokes about Khan or you about Roga Dinar. I, I don't know, man. That's you true. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I'll get back I'll get back to you on that. I mean, right. I've heard from other people who say that their wives are watching it and they're enjoying it. You know, uh, Z is in another Discord chat with people that are not really Star Trek fans and they're watching it and they said one of them said this was their favorite episode even with all the references because there's a million Easter eggs. Yeah, this this one was just like there's I said like, later. It's, all like, Easter it's all Easter eggs. It's all Easter eggs. You, you, yeah, you, yeah. you, you crack on shells if you step to it the wrong way. Yeah, I mean but, Mariner is just everything out of her mouth is an Easter egg. <laughs> and what I loved about Kurtwood Smith was and the whole scene right with this trial thing they were, de- they were going for Undiscovered Country. Right, they were going for undiscovered country, oh, well, and yeah. Kurt Wood Smith was doing his damnedest to channel Christopher Plummer 
and and Chang. I mean, you know, like the, the like we were joking earlier, right? Stardate five seven eight one eight point four. I I, I thought it was JG Hertzler again. For a second, I thought, I thought so it was JG oh Hertzler again. So did I. So yeah. Did I. <laughs> yeah. He was totally doing a cling uh, on there. Totally doing so a cling on I. there. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, Kurtwood Smith in this was 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 just delightful, delightful. And my fave the one that the, the moment that got me to go ha 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 just as dramatically as I delivered it. Uh, right, was the that. moment that Phillips it it was one of the blackout moments and they're on the whole of the Romulan <laughs> bird. Forward. And Phillips Phillips is like uh, Mark Twain's got a gun! Phillips! Oh man, are you okay? Tasha, no, the garbage bag's behind you! Oh no! Uh, Tasha, look behind you—a garbage bag. That—that that got me. I, that legit got me. I laughed real hard on that one. I laughed when the Romulan was like, "You know who I hate? Remans. Oh, they're the worst." <laughs> Just so funny. They've completely hit their stride. They have completely. But no, hold on a second. Though. The this. redacted thing that didn't feel. That, there were two moments that, that I was, was like, "Come so on, let's no, not." I loved it. Let's not beat it. this to a dead. <laughs> look, man, it felt like they were loved beating it. a dead horse. No. The redacted at the there was that last scene where Mariner. Where no, no, no Tendi. It, like they're they're back in the ready room and they're in the observation deck and they're like doing this last minute thing and he goes. Package is safely on board and there's no indication that the Rom. Yulin High Council detected us. <laughs> right? That was that was funny, right? And those were well executed, redacted beep kind of back and forth. It's always funny when you bleep. But but it got to a point where it, it felt like they were beating it, beating a dead horse. And and the the nope. scanner thing, the whole Romulan, they're scanning us. Oh no, that's so fine. <laughs> that went like just that went two two or three repetitions too long for me. The trick with the scanning thing is that when they the, they did it more and more and more, but as the end they shortened the time. That that's why it still worked. The the cycles sped up. That's why it still worked, even though it went on maybe for a couple extra times that you needed to. But and, and lastly, the and the, the beating the dead horse thing with the the Easter eggs. That monologue that Boimler delivers at the end at the end of the trial, and he's like throwing out all these big things, all these. And the last thing he's like, drumhead, and he drops the mic, he drops the horn. I, that felt to me a little like, how many things can we fit into into this one moment, into this episode? Let's fit it all. Yes. Drumhead. Pretty for sure, because hello, fan dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. you're distracting me. <laughs> hey. But it was. Yeah, anything that's trying to pull off a Star Trek V reference, you know they're <laughs> digging deep. There was a bet. I'm telling you, there was a bet. There was a target yes. number of references in yes. the writer's yes. room. This was this was super cheap. And there was a jaw. But also right? hilarious, because I feel like How we're many just times can we use say meow? Drinking syrup. We're drinking yeah. syrup, rabbit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There there was there was a jar, and there was like a, a, a chart next to it. Like, how many references are we going to hit? And the person that got the right oh amount Oh, my God, the, the Gorn wedding. We forgot even to bring that up. Oh, God, fantastic. <laughs> so many. So many. They've hit their stride. They're, they continue their stride. I will be dis... If we ever come across a weak episode, I'll be sure to point out, okay, they've fallen off. Like, because right. now my expectations have ramped up even higher. We only have two more episodes. Right. And so... So I, I, I feel like they'll be able to carry the momentum through. I, I, I feel truly, like I truly I'm kind of regretting not buying the t-shirts now. Uh, Maybe not that much, but yeah. I might want the one from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over the formula. So they uh, had a cold open, was connected to the show, so eh, you don't get full points for that. But then they paired off the lower decks with the, with the senior staff. They had Ransom with Tendi. They had uh, Boimler and Mariner with the captain. They had uh, Rutherford with uh, Shax. So, I mean, they kind of got that mix done right. They had, like, an A plot and a B plot, but it was all mixed together into, like, the overall A plot. Then they had B and C plots because they, they sent the different people off on different missions. So, I mean, I, th I think their formula is... Uh, is, is is good here. I mean, they they this is they've they've got the they've got the recipe. They just need to keep executing. That wraps up this week's on screen for lower decks. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our community question was, how do you feel about Noah Hawley's film idea? Do you like the idea of moving away from Kirk and Picard? Do you think Federation ideals 
should need to be saved. From Twitter, Ken from Chicago mentions the Keith DeCandido Klingon novels and Peter David's New Frontiers novels before saying, I have concerns that Noah Hawley's Star Trek film would be about how humanity got from now to Starfleet. I'm wary of yet another prequel, but between Picard and Discovery Season 3, I think the future's well in hand. Also on Twitter, Section 31 Trek replied, We moved away from the previous crews every time a new series came out. Star Trek has a big galaxy, and we can have new heroes. Give us a new ship and a new captain. Again from Twitter, Bertholf writes, The film itself? Mild intrigue. There's a whole quadrant of possibilities that don't require existing shows to hold up the plot. I don't think it's about values needing to be saved as proved and supported. Politically, that's important right now, in real life. Lastly, from Twitter, JFC replied, Don't think it would hurt, but I do like seeing less-known actors and getting to see them flourish outside of Trek later. Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, and Alexander Siddick as examples. From Facebook, Dave Rutley wrote, My thought is that yes, moving aside from the established characters of the original series, Next Generation, Voyager, etc., could establish a new arc for the IP. Taking, for example, a first contact start point, say, and build from there into the Federation's beginnings by exploring the first exploits of the fledgling Federation against the Klingon and mysterious Romulan empires. Or perhaps a couple hundred years later, we could explore the 2300s and Federation conflicts with some of the other antagonists like the Tholians or the Zenkethi. There were 150 member worlds to draw stories from by the mid-24th century. I hope Noah Hawley's film brings new light to the Kelvin blight that has weakened the shining of our beloved IP. And lastly, we have a voicemail from Patreon supporter Hayden Jones. Hi, Pride One. This is Hayden Jones from Toronto, Canada. I was thinking about your question about Noah Hawley and whether you should have a new cast and crew. And it brought up for me a basic question, which is, why do we have the Star Trek movies? I think Star Trek is best served on TV, where we can have longer character arcs and get to know the characters better. Whereas in movies, we have sort of established characters, and they have plot armor. They can't be killed. But if we had a new crew, we could kill them off. They could do surprising things to us. I think that'd be terrific. I think that would give a spot for the movies to occupy. Uh, well, I think Hayden Jones has a point that, you know, the movies are for established characters, but if you introduced a new crew, then you could do all... (laughs) Basically saying you could kill off some of them and it'd be okay. (laughs) He's looking for a Star Trek Rogue One. Yes! Yes! Oh my god, get out of my head! That's exactly what I was thinking. You could do the Enterprise C! Yeah. I always, like, yes, yes. Let's do Rogue One for Star Trek, please. It is! Enterprise C! That's it. Rachel Garrett. Let's see that. Well, that wraps up episode 480 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, and Joshua Selig. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. Up first, how do you interpret the viewership numbers for the rerun of The Vulcan Hello, Discovery's first episode on terrestrial television? And for our community question in gaming news, what are your thoughts of the reputation buyout system in Star Trek Online? Is it something that you will take advantage of? Captains, it's important that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or veterans, so just follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains during these difficult times were humbled 
by the continued support of our patrons. Listeners like you who find value in the content we produce each week and support its production. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a live urn. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas of the Priority One Armada. Together, they help us organize and write up our weekly summary of the headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, August... August? August? Oh, no, don't go back in time. Mm-mm, no, we are not rolling <laughs> no, this back. No. Going no. through it once, no. that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't okay. take away from the fact that it was the worst one, but okay. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but you read, the, you read the last thing about the pilot, and so... Oh, yeah, all right. Well, while y'all do that, I'm going to go get a refill. Okay. And change the batteries on the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she gave me the finger off air. Yeah, it was, she held it below the camera pickup. It was, it was artfully yeah, done. It was artfully right. done. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.